Hi, my name is Andrew Agustiniak, and this is the Fueled by Why podcast. If you've never tuned in before, this podcast tells the stories of different individuals ranging from professional athletes to pastors to homemakers on their why in life, what keeps them motivated, and what keeps them fueled to keep going. Hopefully, by telling the stories of others, we'll be able to motivate you to do something that you enjoy in your life. If after we're done, you enjoy the show, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share us on your social media platforms. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Yvonne Hunter and I'm with Platinum Home Warranty, a sponsor of today's show. If you've not heard of us, we're known for our in-house technicians and high customer service reviews. So check us out on our Facebook page or on our website to learn more about pricing and coverages. Hi, I'm Abe Bodden with Insurance Professionals of Arizona. If you feel like you need better service out of your current insurance or you're just simply seeing your premiums go up month after month, give me a call. You can reach me anytime at 480-254-1749. I'm also available via text if that's an easier option. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome to the Fueled by Why podcast. Happy Monday. 216 Monday afternoon. We made we we made a special showtime today for a very special guest of mine. Um, hope you're all having a great day. Hope you have a great weekend. Um, we went shooting this weekend. We played at the pool this weekend. Ron was up north this weekend. Yep. It was it was a good weekend overall. It was. It was. It was nice and cool up north though compared uh, to down here. <laughs> and now that Brittany's like, let's I keep she wants a motor home. I don't know about that. <laughs> Because I'd rather just be in Payson. But um, overall, it was a good weekend. Hold on, we got a little sound issue. Um, but if you never tune into the Field by Y podcast here in Mesa, um, this podcast is about the stories of any individual, um, business, uh, pastoral, um, athletes about their story in life, and not just their story in life, but their actual why in life. Um, we used to talk about just a, a lot about the story, but I realized that the, what was even deeper and more interesting about their why, their why they why they do the things they do, what keeps them motivated, um, what keeps their their fire going. And for somebody like Ron, which I'm excited to hear about, because um, you've been, I mean you've been in mortgage for what 20, 21 years. Twenty one years, and it's a. And what, I, what I'm excited about today is mortgage is a very, uh, very mentally exhausting ride sometimes, and um, and so that's why I'm excited to hear Ron's story because he's been in it for over two and a half times as long as I have, and so um, that's what this podcast is about. Share it, subscribe on your pod, uh, your podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, um, anywhere that you can listen because most people listen passively to podcasts. I know I do. I don't watch it live all the time. Um, like anybody uh, watching here, Kim Harlan, who we know very well, yep. says hi. Um, and Kim's been on the podcast as well. But make sure to subscribe, show us some love, leave a review. This podcast, I could care less if it goes big. This is this is something fun for me to allow people to tell their story, to hopefully motivate others um, into uh, taking a leap of faith or getting out of the rut that they're in or getting out of the job that they hate or the life that they hate because we only have this life to make it good and and hopefully we can tell the stories of any individual possible to motivate them to do something else with their life so that's what this this podcast is about um and if you know somebody who has a cool story please send me their contact because i'd love to love to hear it we've had nfl athletes we've had um 
we had moms who work, you know, as cool. side jobs as um, as doing something with their passion. We've had uh, a local popsicle shop that delivers popsicles to people's homes. So we've had it all, and we want to hear every other story possible. Um, thank you, big spot, or thank you to our sponsors: Empire West Title, Platinum Home Warranty, and Abon from Insurance Professionals of Arizona. If you need anything from there, make sure to reach out. Um, and thanks to Fry at Lish Pro Studio, who can make you any cool video that you want. And Fry's a bomb. If you missed our last show, it was my story, Fry interviewing me. Make sure to, to show Fry some love if you need any assistance from him on the video side. But because our show has always run longer, we're going to get right into <laughs> it. Filled by Y, Ron Durante. So I've known Ron. Welcome. Thank you for having me. First podcast ever. Yep, first podcast ever. Uh, hi, Kim. Uh, wanted to say hi to you. The lighting looks really good for you right now. Like your shirt, everything just pops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've known Ron. I So I got into mortgage. Uh, the first company I worked at was, well, PMR with Jay, but we, that was a very short uh, span until I came over. Right. And uh, I didn't know, because we spent so much time at that Scottsdale office, I've, I've been at People's now since 2013. Right. And I remember you coming up to Northside all the time. Yep. And uh, that's when I first met you. But over time, um, our relationship has developed as my career developed. And we always laugh about a story where um, I almost got fired back in 2013 <laughs> or 14. And, yes, uh, you did. And you always tell me the story. Not by me, however. No, no, not, by, not you. by me. It, but you and Jay, you know, that was part of the reason that why I'm still here and where I am today. But you always tell me that story because um, – as far as the individuals who look out for you to always remember that right. uh, down the road. And we can get deeper into that in a little bit. But before we do, um, give us your backstory. Screen went black. There we go. Give us your backstory. Like, where did you come from? What did you, where did you go to college? Like, how did you, how, what road led you to mortgages? So, I mean, actually, the road that led me to mortgage is kind of really out of where I started. So I was uh, in the semiconductor business for about 12 years. I was a national sales manager for on-site services for the Intels and Motorola's, and I worked for a company named Arch Chemical. Um, my father was in real estate for, he finally retired after 38 years, and I always knew that at some point I wanted to go off and be my own boss, be my own business, do something. Except I didn't, wasn't real interested on the real estate side, but I was always more on the finance side. When I was in college and stuff, that's what I kind of went for was on the financial side as, as well. Um, so I decided that I was going to make that change. And I had a very uh, comfortable position. I had a very comfortable job with a Fortune 500 company and uh, went from a nice, comfortable, healthy salary to becoming an originator and being 100% commission um, with obviously the support of my wife. You know, obviously you got to have that support with your wife and make sure that uh, you're doing the right things and they're 100% on board as did well. Did you guys go back and forth? Like, did when you, what, like what, why, like were you just stuck mentally? Like, what did you go through? If you had a nice, comfortable job, you had the salary job, like what made you want to, like what, what back and forth did you go through? So the biggest thing I would say was um, the ability to have the flexibility with our kids. Um, because uh, the position I was in, I was having to travel a little bit, not a lot. 
Um, and our kids are younger, and I always wanted to be part of all of their activities. Um, so I wanted that flexibility being an originator here in town and not having to travel. Um, now that's changed with my role, and my kids are now 28. <laughs> so now I'm traveling a travel, lot. I, yeah. I used to travel a lot more but um, until COVID. Um, but that was the biggest, uh, you know, going back and forth. Uh, as far as the support from my wife, you know, she was amazing because she always knew, and her comment to me was, you're a hard worker. You're going to do whatever you got to do to make money to, to provide. And that's just who you are. And so she never really, she never really uh, was concerned with it. Uh, but what's funny is um, when you sit down and you take the mindset financially of what you're doing and you prepare for it, you don't just jump out and, and go off to become 100% commission and think it's going to be fine. you got to prepare for it, which we did. But we actually saved more money that first year that I was originating, and I made half the amount of money I made when I was at Arch. And we actually saved more money because you were more focused on it. You looked at it every single day. You just didn't have the salary coming in. And you had to work hard at it. And, you know, it takes time to get things going, which, you know, you started from the ground up working with Jay, which was a great mentor for you. Mm -hmm. um, and you put your hard worker. Uh, so you put in the time, and it obviously all pays off at the end. So then, so you make the leap. That first year, I always ask people about the first year when you leap into something, like, what did you do? Now, what year was that? Uh, so that was the end of 99, beginning of 2000. Okay, so what when you jumped into it, obviously mortgage is a lot different now than it was then. Right. Did you, where did you start working? Like, how, how was the first year? Do you have any crazy stories of experiences that you've learned a lot from? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I started at Peoples. Um, so I, my father had known Stan Morris for years, who's the my, our, uh, main principal of the company. And um, so I went and talked to him. And then at the time, uh, his processor was Cheryl Anderson, um, which she was a good family friend. And so she really took me under her wings and taught me mortgages. I went through all the classes, did everything even before licensing was a requirement, but they had a class through Arizona Real Estate, School of Real Estate, which I took, which was like a two-week class. Um, and you know, the, the hardest thing is you just had to start knocking on doors. Back then, you could just knock on real estate doors. Most realtors worked out of an office, so you spent time. And it was funny, one of the funniest stories is, um, I used to tell Cheryl, I said, hey, I'm going into um, Remax, and um, it was called Remax Heritage Properties off of Ray Road in Chandler. And I said, hey, I'm gonna be going in there, and I'm gonna go try to talk to a couple agents. Do me a favor, I'll, I'll call you and let you know when I'm walking in. And about every two or three minutes, just give me a call. Just call my cell phone. And uh, she's like, why? And I'm like, yeah, just, just do it. So I did as I spent probably 20, 30 minutes in there. About every five or six minutes, she would call. And I'd look at him like, oh, hey, I'll have to call you back. And I'd make an excuse. And the last person, the last agent that I, was re or that I met with, he goes, man, you're doing really good. You got a lot of business coming in. Your phone's just kind of ringing this whole time you've been in here and I said yeah you know it's, business is going good and it's you know it's been a little bit of a struggle so far but you know moving on I got to keep positive and it's all good and I walked out of there then thinking that I was you know I would only in the business for probably about three months and they just thought that I was just killing it with people calling and it actually was my process it was, an, it was, an, it was an, <laughs> but it was an icebreaker it was totally like an mentally, icebreaker and that's a hard part like I think a lot of people getting into to any business, uh, mortgage, not even just mortgage, but any business, like the first year is so tough. And it's a difference between the confidence level of a lot of people, what I notice, and, and you've seen so many more people start and get into it, including myself. You've seen me my whole career. Right. And I think 
from my experience, and tell me if you've seen anything like this, um, a lot of people feel like they need to they need to uh, figure it all out beforehand to gain the confidence to step into something. But in reality, you have to have the confidence oh, yeah. to just go into it and accept that you got to be creative and be confident and say, hey, yeah, this absolutely. is how I'm going to be. And I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to be that person, even though I may not have the business coming in. I am in that role. Right already mentally absolutely like you're closing deals already mentally they're already going yeah. now yeah. the processor is the one calling you but in reality mentally you were stepped into that that absolutely. role already yep so then what happened? is that the same remax that you work with now because i know you you are a lender in one of the remax offices so that one was actually owned by a different gentleman heritage was but a lot of those agents uh, that were in that office are now at remax alliance um, so a lot of those guys are over there. So, and I still, you know, work with a lot of them, but, um, yeah. And then, you know, it, it all comes down to hard work, like, just like you, you know, you, you, you can't just jump into this profession and think that it's going to be a piece of cake because it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of dedication. And, you know, I mean, as much as I thought that, which I did have a lot of flexibility with my kids, uh, when they were growing up and still be able to make it to all their events and be involved in coaching and stuff like that. But at the same time, um, the, this job never was a 30, 35 hour a week job. It's more like a 50 to 60 hour a week job in most cases, but you always have your ups and downs as well. Um, so, you know, it's just a matter of, of really working hard and staying, you know, connected with your people and doing business the way that you want to do business and what you need to do to take care of your clients. So what, okay, so 2000 comes, 2001 comes, um, then, what was the the moment that you started growing? Because I want to play. I want to get into obviously the meltdown. Right. But like, what was the year? Was there a certain uh, time where you're like you felt that business was going, or what was that key moment that you kind of broke through and you you were like, all right, like I'm getting established. Was it 2001, 2002? What happened? It was you know it was right around 2002, um, and you know a couple things that happened that that really changed me. So. You know, my father was in real estate and he always had, you know, the way he did his business for 35 years or 38 years was he wanted to be 100% referral. He didn't want to have to sit there and do a bunch of cold calling and everything else. And so his philosophy was always staying in contact with his customers and his past customers and his friends and everybody else. And so in 2001, I took the Brian Buffini course, which everything in the Brian Buffini course is pretty much exactly what the stuff that my dad was doing, but didn't call it, you know, it wasn't from yeah. Brian Buffini. Buffini. He and didn't I, package it all into just... Exactly. I mean, but, which is, which is, I mean, no offense to any marketing thing no. out there, because people need coaching, but a lot of it, honestly, is just common sense and hard work. Absolutely. And if you have to pay for it, great, because yeah. I give props to the people who package it all in and sell it. Exactly. Because there are people who just can't, you know, they can't put that together. But a lot of it is just dedication and hard work. Oh yeah, and you know you're not you don't don't have to reinvent the wheel. No. You know, there was a really smart real estate agent years ago that said you don't need to necessarily think out of the box. You need to get in the box and just work on your business. And when you do that and you start thinking about um, the different ways to connect and everything else. But after I took that Brian Buffini course, I sit there and I'm like, yeah, this you know this is a great philosophy. And it's the same thing that my dad did. And so I just really created a database on staying in front of my past clients. Um, my dad's philosophy, which I, I still uh, believe in 100% today, um, he had the best line. And he always said, treat your clients like a friend. Clients will forget you, friends won't. And 
the greatest thing that I still feel out of doing this business, like a lot of people say, why do you do it? You know, you're putting in 20 years and you're working your butt off and blah, blah, blah. I mean, if you guys, if you don't know Ron, Ron is our executive VP and he still is a top 10 producer in the company. No, not top 10. Uh, I think I'm 15, but I think I slipped a little bit. Stan's still up there. Stan, (laughs) if you've caught our, Stan was on the show probably about uh, seven months ago and Stan is, Stan's still slinging. Top, Stan's still slinging yeah. a ton of deals. He's in the top six, I think. And right he's, now. he's he's on top yeah. of the totem yeah. pole. Exactly, exactly. But you know what? What makes it all worth it? Too, you know, you talk about the why and what makes it worth it is like, especially right now with all the refis going through. Every single one of my refis are either a repeat client or a referral from a past client. I'm not I'm not trying to go get new deals or anything else. And it's great when you have a a client or slash friend that you stay in contact with, but you haven't done any deals for or haven't talked to in six or seven years, and they just call you out of the blue because you are still staying in front of them. And they're like, hey, you did my loan for me seven years ago. I need to refi now. It's rates are low. I need to do something different. And to me, that's a great feeling. I think think that's, that that without even, without you ever, and maybe this is why our family at Peoples meshes so well is because People will ask me like, "What's my strategy? You know, how do I go about business?" Um, I had a loan officer the other day just ask me, "He's like, what's your, what do you do? Like, what's your style?" And honestly, it's like I always tell people in a simplified form of what you said. It's like this is friendship making, absolutely. And um, and you do a great job of that. You, you really do. I appreciate it. Um, But like my my main thing, and this is this the funny thing. This is not rocket science. This is not a secret. I tell everybody exactly my business style because, like, I hope other people can can take my traits and apply it to their business. But like, here's one thing in the emotion of 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 friendship making because that that is my goal. Just like yours, my goal has always been to the to get to the place where people can my my clients. Nowadays, I mean, it has evolved into texting. My clients can text me at any time of the day or night, right. and they know that I'll be there for them, whether it's for a loan, whether it's for advice on real estate, or whether just it's in life in general. Right. Like I, I want every one of my clients to know that that they mean more to me than than just being a client. That we are not, no offense, Chase Mortgage, Quicken Loans. You are not just a number right. in our book. Absolutely. And that I mean, that goes to our the company name, People's Mortgage. It's all, it's all about the people. Right. And like when we when we get our yard done, like I'm gonna have a massive party and I'm gonna invite a ton of my friends <laughs> and clients, like because that's who they are to us. And my thing with my my uh, my way of going about the whole friendship making is is my clock didn't stop at five right now i'm way better at, at at managing my time with my family now that i have kids and right and um but back i mean back in the day you text me at 12 o'clock i'm responding and i still do a lot of times but if i'm nowadays i gotta go home put the phone away for a couple Absolutely. hours but i'm still catching up because if they're texting me they need something right and i'm gonna do my best to to reply back to them because once you've in i don't know how it was back then before text but once your client's texting you, in my opinion, emotionally, you've broken down the barrier of, oh, yeah. I'm just your loan guy. Totally they feel agree. comfortable enough to text you yep. and quote unquote bother you late, which is fine. Right. Like that, that, that means that, okay, now you know I'm there for you whenever you need. Right. So then, all right, so then you start getting established. Yep. 
then what happens now one thing i that you've always uh taught me and told me about is how people's health uh handled the meltdown how did you handle it what went on from like your perspective and why why were you one of the you know handful of companies to make it through um you know so yeah 2008 happened and everything just totally changed <clears throat> i mean everybody everybody's income went from you know make you probably made about 20 percent of what you made the two years prior um but what but what set people aside from most of the other companies in Arizona across the country is our philosophy was always not to be in debt. Like we do everything 100% cash. Um, we don't owe anybody anything for the company and we keep all the profits in the company because we want to be able to sustain. We know there's our ups and downs. Uh, Stan, you know, he's been in this business God, when the con when the mortgages had three uh, three layers of paper with you know copies in there, so I mean that, that's how long he's been at handwriting them. Carbon so, copy, yeah, carbon copy. copy exactly. And you're pulling the pink one out, you know. I mean that was Stan. So he's been in it for a long time. So we know there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, so you know it was it was some trying times, but what our philosophy has always been and the culture of our company is when we when we truly say it's about the people not just our customers but also the people we work with we truly do look at people as family and the best thing that ever came out of 2008 was the proof of the family not just from our philosophy but everybody that worked at the company at the time we had 48 employees and we still need to cut one salary um, the three owners did not have a salary, but we still needed to cut one salary to be able to make it through and then be able to sustain what we wanted to sustain. So we brought everybody in from the CEO or CFO to uh, the receptionist. And we said, here's, this, here's where we're at. We want to keep everybody. You guys are all great. We love you as part of the family. Um, we need to cut one salary. So either we need to cut one salary or if everybody takes a 10% pay cut across the board, we don't have to cut anybody. And once the market turns back around, we will reinstate the 10% plus any cost of living that's due to you as well. And we said, you guys are gonna choose. We walked out of the room, me, Sean, and Stan. Literally two minutes go by, they come out and they said, we chose, we're gonna just all take a 10% pay cut. Not one person argued about it. Not one person complained. Um, and it was great. You know, We walked out of there going, okay, they feel the same about us and everybody else in this company as we do. And uh, that was big, you know, that was huge for us. But, you know, we also, I mean, we had to buy back a bunch of loans that, you know, we didn't default on one. There was a lot of companies back then that started defaulting on loans. Uh, we, we took them all back, we serviced them, we held on to them, and held on to them for about 10 years before you could actually make either a break even or even make a little money on those properties because we had to. So it was, uh, it was some tough times though. When did you start feeling it turn around? Um, you know, honestly, it was about 2010. You know, everybody was really concerned. 2009, you started to see a little bit of an uptick. 2010 started coming back. Um, but everybody was concerned with all the LO life licensing and the new LO compensation and everything else. And there was just a lot of change going on in the industry. Um, but I looked at it as an opportunity to grow. And I think whenever, you know, in our industry, we always have change. And I think it's good because it always makes you think further than just doing the same thing day in and day out. And it makes you rethink how you're doing your business as well. So um, really started seeing change in probably 2010, 2011. So at that time, it starts turning around because then it gets to the point where, I mean, we get to where Peoples is now with what, 400 employees? Um, about 480, yeah. 480 employees. 
So things start turning around. You know, people are, that's kind of when flips started taking place and people started to slowly get back into it. I remember 2012, 13, when I got back into it, rates were kind of similar to now, actually. Now is lower than, yep. than ever, but um, then how did that, like, how did your business evolve? Well, first question, how did you become uh, executive VP from Loan, Loan Originator? So um, in 2003, so Stan uh, was partners with two other individuals with Peoples. Um, they decided to split off and um, they became another company. Stan kept Peoples. Um, and then Stan came to myself and Sean uh, Morris and asked us if we wanted to be a partner with him since the, he got separated from the other two, so it was just him, and what our vision was for the company. So we sat down, we talked about what our vision was and what we thought and everything else. And, uh, you know, Stan, you got to remember, Stan pretty much ran a national mortgage company for years. And so he didn't care about how big we got, how many people we had or anything else. I mean, his philosophy back then, and it's still the same as it is today, do some deals, make some money, and have a lot of fun. And that's <laughs> basically the business model. And so we sat down, and then Sean and I told him what we kind of thought, and uh, he asked us if we wanted to become partners in 2003. So that's when I actually became a partner with him. Were you nervous? No, because I think I, I knew overall that was my goal. My goal when I got into the business was to set myself up uh, to either have my own branch or have my own company at some point or be something with Peoples. And when I first started with Peoples, I didn't know there would be an opportunity because I knew Stan very well. The other two owners I didn't really know very well and I didn't know how deep they were ingrained into the company. Um, so, you know, everything worked out for a purpose and it worked out great. It, which is crazy because you're, you know, there wasn't any plan to grow this huge national company. Um, but it's, and it, what's nice about it is like, the times where you have the intention of not making something um, big, you naturally attract the right people, thankfully. Right. Because even though now 480 employees, which is considered a bigger company, it doesn't feel like that, which is, I, I'm sure, the challenge that you've kept right. of how to keep it feeling like a, like a true family company, which I think you guys have been successful at. So then... 2010, 11, 12 start happening. Like, how does the company, because that's got to be the time where the company starts kind of acquiring different people. Right. Like, what, how did that occur and why did it occur? So, I mean, that's actually interesting because we didn't acquire anybody. So uh, what happened is me, Sean, and Stan uh, sat down after probably 2009-ish. And we said, okay, with all the new regulations, all the new requirements, we got two choices. Either we stay really small and kind of, push our way through this, or we grow, but a sustained growth with people like us. So we don't want to just grow to grow. We want to grow the company with people that are, that are business-minded like us, that do business like us, that treat people like us. Um, but we also said we were not going to go buy anybody. We weren't going to pay to have people come work with us because we didn't feel we needed to because of the platform that we offered. Um, so uh, Stan, Stan, or, yeah, Stan's comment says, you guys, he looks at me and Sean, he goes, you know, I've already done this. <laughs> so if you guys want to do this, you guys are on board. He goes, I will help you. I, we will do it together. So he's basically but, saying, like, this is your project. But you guys, you guys are the ones that are going to spend the time traveling. You're the ones that are going to be real. I mean, he still does a lot of yeah. that. But at the same time, he's kind of like, I've been there, done that. Like, <laughs> if you guys want to do it, we can do it. But um, so we decided. And, you know, the first group that came on uh, was a broker out of Tucson, um, which is still part of our company. 
And they came on because they used to broker uh, to the same investor that we had. And the, so they had the same rep and the rep was saying to them and said, you know, to Mike Morgan and, and Dick Dunbar and said, you know, you guys, you know, you need to become a banker. And you know who you would fit with perfect is People's Mortgage. You need to go meet with Sean, Stan, and Ron and just see the operation. You guys will be a perfect fit. And they were the first group. And they came over and then it just kind of slowly. But again, it was we wanted to make sure that it wasn't just going to grow just to grow. We wanted it to be organic. We wanted it to be because somebody knew somebody that worked for the company and they kind of knew who they were. They vouched for them. And that's how we kind of grew the whole business. And it was great. Which it's I love the mentality of you don't you don't want to grow to just grow because there are two different ways of, of going about it. There's there's a there's a way of growing a business with the intent of selling it right and there's a way of growing a business with the intent of building a business right for the I, I love the, I mean we got to put that on a plaque do some deals make, make some, some money, money and have, have a lot, a lot of, fun. of fun it's in the it's in the uh, yard in the office it's up on oh the you're right it yeah, is in the yard yeah, we're yeah, playing ping pong yeah <laughs> Don. Uh, that's oh, the well. stress reliever. Yes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a champion of ping pong in the corporate office. Uh, I think you got one day. Our CFO will show this to him. He hasn't beat me in probably like four months. We haven't played in a couple months because it's been so busy. Exactly. Um, but, you're, but, but truthfully, you, when you work for a company, you can, you can tell. And that's, I mean, I mean, a lot of people know I left People's Mortgage in two, at the end of 2017. Right. And I work. I went and worked for a national corporation, and and not to say anything negative, it was it was a fine business, it was a fine company, but ultimately for me, um, it just it, w- it wasn't the right fit because there was a certain feeling when working for a national corporation with stockholders and 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 things like that, which is ultimately why I came back to Peoples right. eighteen months later. Yep. And it was funny, and this is this is one thing that always stuck with me. Because people would ask me that first time that I left, they're like, you know, what was wrong and stuff like that. I was like, nothing was wrong. Like I needed to know for myself because I only worked for one company. You right. had worked in corporate America before. Right. Stan had ran a national exactly. company before, and so for me, only working at Peoples from 2012 essentially to 2017, I had only known that, and I think I took for granted everything because I didn't know. Right. I didn't know anything else, and so I wasn't afraid to leave. I left. I left that first time purely for to experience a difference. Absolutely. And and if you've worked in different types of businesses, n- no business, there's no wrong way of doing it, but how does it fit you and your mentality and your business? Absolutely. And so that's what I love about what you guys have built is because it's not, it's truly, it's about the client. It's about the employee. It's about doing what's right for right. everybody. It's about being conservative, not doing shice, shady things. Absolutely. Because there's no reason to. It's not like you're trying to, trying to, uh, trying to pump up the books to sell no. to, to anybody else. You could care less if somebody wanted to buy it because you'd be like, no, we're good. We've been offered many times. To sell. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm <laughs> you, know, sure. you know, Sean has four kids. All four of those kids are probably going to come through running this company as well. So <laughs> yes. no one's selling it. <laughs> I mean, it, but it's, 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 it's so awesome to hear that there, we don't, you don't have any, any intention like that because it comes, it employs first 
And the fact that Stan and you still do deals, that shows that you're a sales-oriented company. Right. Absolutely. So then how has it been, Okay, So now you've built this thing. You've, you've had a lot of branches come to you. Let's say that. A lot of people have wanted to come work here. Right. How do you balance being the executive or one of the executive VPs or whatever that I don't even know. There's multiple. I don't even know what Sean is. Sean is just he's, nothing. He's an he's an executive. His card says nothing. He doesn't well, want. We don't. We're not usually title people. Yeah. So we don't typically have for years. I never had a title on my card. I never had a title at all. And um, once everything started changing and the growth and everything else, and when I took over the role of this national sales manager, taking on that where I was traveling and, and meeting with loan officers and also trying to recruit people or talk about recruiting offices, whatever, um, that's when they all made me put my title <laughs> on my business card. <laughs> I'm not well, a big fan of titles. But, but, but again, that shows, the, that shows where you're coming from because this, this whole thing isn't about titles. No. Not at all. A title means nothing. No, totally agree. And you know, the biggest thing for that, for us, is our philosophy, ever since I started with this company, was always open door philosophy. Didn't matter who you were, didn't matter what level you were at the company, we don't want eight different levels of management to make decisions. You can go to any manager you want. And so we felt by putting a title on a card made somebody feel like they weren't able to come talk to us if they wanted to. So if somebody felt like they wanted to go talk to me or they wanted to talk to Stan or Sean, but if they saw that the title, even though they knew who we were, but if the title was promoted a ton, would they still feel as comfortable just walking into our office if they had a concern, an issue, a question, or a great idea? We wanted to make sure that we've always had an open door philosophy. So how have you balanced being, quote unquote, an executive VP and your business and your family life? How does somebody... Um, who's achieved what you achieved, yet keep your own business going, which is, I mean, crazy to me. Right. And your travel, and like, how have you balanced it all? And what, like, what advice would you give? Do you have any good stories of where, like, you realized you needed to adjust something or what? So you know, I didn't start traveling until my kids got older, um, and you know. I, I, I was traveling probably one day a week. I tried to limit it to maybe overnight or just go down for the day, come back. Because a lot of my travel, unless I went to Nebraska or New Jersey, you couldn't do those in a day. Um, so it took a little bit. And, you know, I mean, my kids were older. My wife retired. Uh, she was a kindergarten teacher for 29 years and retired four years ago. So it was a little easier to travel then because she was at home to take care of the house stuff and take care of that. And it would also, you know, for me to go for a day and then come back. But, you know, that's, you know, like you talk about texting and always being available. Probably the biggest thing that I had to learn was to not always be available. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you're gone and you're working, you know, I, I usually leave the, or I leave the house usually at 630 in the morning. I usually don't get home till 630 and that's not on a day of traveling. So um, my phone now, when I get home at seven, eight o'clock, I try not to answer my phone. I try not to sit there and look at text because my time now is with my wife. That's we can have dinner, we can have a glass of wine, we can talk. And as soon as you look at your phone, you interrupt that conversation. And so I really try to stay away from that. Um, but you know, there's times, and she understands. You know, there's times like right now with as busy as it is, it's really hard. Uh, but at the same time, she gets it. Like she's been through this enough. You know, I can still remember all the way up until 2008. You know, I kept telling her, you know, business was good, everything was good, but I'm like, hey, you know, this this can stop at any time. Like the brakes can push at any time and come to a screeching halt. 
finally it was like 2006 and it was still the market was still going great and she goes you keep saying that all the time like you keep saying it's going to happen like what that's just, that's just that's like my way <laughs> i'm like it's the conservative side of me i'm just telling you it's going to happen and then 2008 happened um but you know I, that's the biggest thing is you just got to make sure that you're taking that time with the family you know i got called out by my daughter one time because i always had this philosophy with my kids is i always said if you don't have the time for a phone call and the phone rings don't pick it up because the person on the other end is going to know that a you're not really listening two you're not engaged and it's not going to be a good conversation well probably about three years ago my daughter called me and she she knows i get in the office early so she called me as she was driving into work and she starts talking and she's into it maybe five or six seconds she goes okay i'll call you back and i'm like whoa, whoa wait a second <laughs> she's like well i can tell that you're not practicing what you preach because I can say I can tell that you're sitting there looking at your emails while you're having a conversation <laughs> with me because you're not totally listening to this conversation I was like you know what you're absolutely right sweetheart got up walked away from my computer had a great 15 20 minute conversation with her but I think that that's and a obviously a left an impression because you remember oh yeah absolutely I got I got called out on what I preached to them forever and I got called out on it which is great well I think I mean as a leader like you it's there's there's two types of leaders as well there's the ones who like you need to be able to be called out absolutely the open door policy yeah um my, our, my employees you know our our uh, <laughs> they call you out <laughs> they call me out all the time they call me and jake out all the time because but i mean that's but i want them to because like i'm not a perfect individual absolutely i'm going a million miles a minute and my wife tells me all the time like i need to slow down sometimes i don't even know we don't right. intentionally do it but sometimes when you're trying to do so many things, it's easier to get caught up. And I think that's that's it's those times where somebody says something of of meaning to you that's not right. It's not meant to be like negative. You suck. It's meant to be like, hey, just a wake hey, up, wake up. Yeah. Hey, just a heads up. I'm watching you. I think this it's yep. it's coming from a hey, just here's a, a improvement you can Absolutely. make. Absolutely. And no matter how you know how old you are, no matter how successful you are in your business and in your personal life you're always able to learn and like that I mean like I said that was three years ago and here I'm what I was 49 50 years old and here my daughter is slapping me in the face with hey you know you practice this but you're not doing it right now with me like yeah. this is what you tried to teach us and now so there's always that chance to you know take that time to learn as and which I think is important customer service mm -hmm. I think that's something we talk about all the time absolutely um, Anytime we go to have a drink and talk, we talk all the time about our experiences. And it's funny, the things that I experience, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I've had this experience. How have you or company or both, because you're part, you're, you're up sales, um, how much have you focused on customer service? What have you evolved over the years? Um, anything that you've changed or anything like for you or your business? customer service and you always preach how that doesn't trump it or that trumps everything absolutely totally does and you know one of the biggest things that i've been doing now over the last probably year and a half um is like i said i customer service to me is is the most important thing and customer service a lot of people say oh customer service is all about the rate or it's all about getting it done in two weeks and that's like no no customer service is more about communication and staying in communication and know that everybody's expectations are out on the table and everybody knows who's doing what but the one thing that i love i think I, i'm gonna cut that i feel like we should send that to the whole real estate industry that part right there is customer service isn't about going two weeks going fast fast no. fast no. i think too many people 
forget that. Absolutely. And, you know, customer service, I look at it from the next level because, you know, not everything goes perfect in a transaction, but our jobs is also to keep all the stress out of it. So not add stress to the transaction because that customer service side is always like, okay, yes, we're going to do what we can to help the customer to make sure we take care of everything. But everybody, like I said, needs to be on the same playing field and know what the expectations are. And, you know, like we were just talking about, you can always learn. Uh, One thing that we've always been big on is getting feedback from the customers. And I read every single review that comes into the company. I I do. do. And I respond to the LOs when they do a great job. And when there's something that comes out from a customer that says that they weren't completely happy, I have the managers reach out to that customer and find out why, what was the whole transaction. And if I need to make a phone call to the customer as well to make sure that they understand that, hey, I appreciate the feedback, number one. Number two, what we're going to do to make it better next time. And, you know, we don't have a whole lot of those, but it really helps me identify how we're working in the right direction with great customer service by reading every single one of those endorsements. I think, um, and I think a lot of people and you tell me how you view this over the past 20 years, um, a lot of people tend to only focus on, on the new business, mm-hmm. but they don't, they tend to kind of let the, the reality of that their old business is worth more new business Absolutely. than anything in the world. And if you have some, no, there's no perfect transaction, things will go south. I think at the end of the day, it's worth whatever you can do, whether it's money or time or effort, to fix any negative situation yep. because that could be t- potentially 10 more referrals in the future Absolutely. as well. Um, how, like, do you have a, a specific example of something that happened where you guys went above and beyond to fix the situation? Well, I mean, I think that happens a lot in our businesses. And, and what we do is we really, I was always raised your word is everything. And if you're being honest and you know your your reputation is more than one transaction. And when you talk about past clients, that is the best source of business and it's the best ones to cultivate because those are the people that you had a transaction with that you like to work with and they're going to refer you people that are going to be like them. They're not going to refer you bad people. They're going to refer good people to you just like you liked working with them. And like you said, it's it's transactions that multiply as you go years and years and years down the road. But you know, the the biggest I, the biggest thing that that we try to do is if we ever have an issue where we have either made an error and caused a delay in the closing or whatever, we've actually paid the customer back for any lost wages or any loss if they had to pay for a hotel room, um, if they had to have, you know, back in the day when there was that $50 per day per diem, um, if you missed the close of escrow for every day that went past uh, years ago, we've had to pay some of those. Um, And not all of them were our fault, but instead of arguing back and forth with the agent or the borrower, Sometimes it was easier to do the right thing and just step up and say, you know what, we'll take the hundred dollar hit, we'll pay for it. Um, but we've, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, you got to do, you got to make it right though. You got to make it right for the customer. How have you changed your, have or or do you do the same things that you did ten years ago, as far as your personal way of, of business and? No, you know, I, I still do the same thing. I mean, a lot of my stuff is still the exact same stuff. I love, I love to get with people face to face. That's one thing on my business that has changed a lot, especially with COVID. Even prior to COVID, I was doing more online applications, but I still 
talk to the clients a lot. And a lot of times I'd still go to their house, um, pick up their documents because they didn't feel comfortable uploading them, whatever. Um, but you know, that, that part of my business is, but the rest of my business and the way I do my business is still the same. I mean, it's customer first. And I'm going to tell you that this is what I'm going to do. Here's what it is. There's going to be no surprises. Uh, nothing's going to change on you. Um, and to me, that's what I love about this business. And when they walk out of there and they're happy about closing and they're excited to close on their first house, what's crazy is when you start doing your friends, kids, <laughs> kids. No. Yeah. I've got two of those right now. <laughs> friends, kids, kids. Yeah. Yeah. And you've done every single one of yeah, them. Yeah, done them all. Done all the transactions. But yeah, a friend that I went to school with all the way through high school. And I've done her transactions. And now I'm doing her kids' kids' transactions. So, Have you ever almost quit the mortgage industry? You know, that like you, that, you, know, you said it best. You get, you get overworked. Uh, there's times where you, like, you, know, you don't realize it. And, you know, your wife tells you, you know what? You need to slow down a little bit. And there's times when you're like, what should I do? What I, I can't find anything else I want to do. Like, I, I, I don't think I would be happy. I love, I love working in the office. I love our staff. I love our people. I love working with the clients. Um, even with the travel, you know, one thing that I love with our company too is I've always been very um, charity or, or originate or, or organized and, and love giving back in the communities that we live in. And we made the big change with our philanthropy program uh, two years ago or three years ago. Actually, it might be four years ago now. But we also make a huge impact on the personal side and the charity side as a company, not just by the business that we do, but what we are doing in the communities that we work in. So to me, that makes me happy. Um, maybe if I ever get out of originating, I'll just go work in the philanthropy department because yeah. I love that yeah. side of it. <laughs> well, so, okay, that kind of leads into, like, how have what, how have you kept your, your fire lit or what is your why? Like, what is it? Is it? The family is it the philanthropy? Like what? What can you say keeps you going? And and especially for as much as you take on, a lot of people in your position would would almost hand off the the, the production side and just do the management side. And you still balance both along with family. So like, what? How do you keep yourself motivated in that sense? You know, to me, everybody has their different philosophy of what success is. To me, success is not a dollar sign. It's not a title. Success to me is being uh, a part of something that's important to me and leaving my handprints all over it. So being part of the people's team and having an impact on helping somebody get into the business, helping somebody grow their business, uh, or you know, decide that they want to do something else in the business as far as working as a processor or as, a, as, as an originator. Um, so to me, I mean, <laughs> There's really, there's only a couple times that I've got to where I didn't have the fuel, like where you sat back. And, and I think a lot of that was during a lot of the change and um, all the new guidelines coming out. You know, it was kind of like you didn't know, could you constantly second guess yourself on every single deal. You're yeah. like, oh, thank God we had Garrett back then yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> but was he, yeah. he was on the original 48, right? Yeah. Well, not the, well, he was part of that 48. Yep. He was actually Stan's processor, started off as Stan's processor. And then he went with Sean, and they started doing our builder division. So he was working with Sean on the builder division side for a while when the whole crash happened. 
And uh, then obviously, yeah, he's grown all the way through. And like April Hayes, she's been with us forever. Katie Klaus, mm -hmm. she started with us when she was 18 years old as a sophomore at ASU. And now she's the VP of operations. I mean, yeah. she's been there for a long time. We've seen her graduate, get married, have kids. I'm like, I'm going to be watching your retirement yeah. party at some point. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, so it's awesome, but it is great. Would you say, so that, I mean, that essentially is your why is just the family. It is. The family, the work family. Yeah. I would, I would go crazy if I didn't have that. I mean, I mean, obviously, I think that's what makes me so passionate about it is the different people and the different avenues and the different things that we do as a company, I think is what gives me my why. So here's, here's a, a, a tough question, maybe not tough for you. With, with as crazy as mortgages right now, and with when business gets crazy, people get more on edge. Mm -hmm. um, departments are, are working 24 seven. Yep. We, we finally gave the underwriters a break last weekend because <laughs> yeah. they were working seven days a week. Four months in a row they were working every single week. I mean, it is so crazy right now. I've heard of escrow officers walking out. Mm -hmm. I've heard of everybody is so, a lot of people are on edge. Um, how have you, as, as one of the executives, um, how has that been trying to manage it? Because a lot of people, when you have a 200% increase in volume, you, it'd be like higher, higher, higher. But I know from from you teaching me that they come in waves and you can't play the higher fire game. So right. how has that been as trying to manage people and keep them motivated to work but not uh, kill each other? Exactly. And you know, that's been tough. I mean, honestly. And you know, this one was, you know, we, we actually have tried to hire because we knew this one was gonna last longer than a regular refi boom that last, you know, three or four months. Um, I think these rates are going to stay down for the rest of this year, um, going into the beginning of next year. Uh, so what the hardest part is, there's nobody out there to hire because everybody's just as busy. And as soon as you try to hire somebody, um, they're just throwing money at them. And a lot of people don't want to move right now because they also know they're going to be the first one on the totem pole when the market does slow down again. So the hardest part, honestly, has been making people realize that you know 50% of the volume that has been this increase is a refinance. So we still need to focus on purchase because purchase is our main business. That is our, that's always been our business model. We're not a refi shop, but all the refis that are coming in are from past clients, which you have to take care of. Um, so they are a priority, but they don't need to necessarily need to be a 30 day close of escrow. You know, you can actually do a 45, 60 day close of escrow and relieve some of the pressure from the operations side. And so that was the biggest thing is just trying to let operations know is, hey, we support you. We understand you guys are all working. And the loan officers are working just as hard on the front end. <laughs> I mean, so the hard, I mean, and I had that conversation with the operations as well. Like, I know that you're getting hit with this now, but the loan officers were working these crazy hours back then as well, and they still are. But we all just need to kind of work together and understand that there's only so much we can do in a day. I mean, our operations staff is, is phenomenal. And I'll tell you that I still say it. I know I say it in the company all the time. I think between our operations staff, as far as everybody, from from the receptionist to funding, closing, underwriting, everybody, uh, I think we have the best in the industry. And they all work hard. They all work as a family. They all get along. But everybody, just like a family, you get to your breaking point sometimes as well. And you start hearing it, and then you got to kind of diffuse it. But um, everybody's doing a phenomenal job. I think. The, I mean, that I agree 100. percent best in the industry i mean the fact that people are last last night jen was working on appraisals getting appraisals yeah. processed 
in last night and I even told I had, I had an appraisal due on Friday and I said hey we'll see if it comes through on the weekend they said well does you know your appraisal department work on the weekend and I said right now so honestly <laughs> most of the time exactly. it came in and then Jen's working on Sunday I think it's I think this realization that when things are busy you can't think you're the only one that's busy right everybody is busy absolutely and you need, you need to uh, you need a hand. You need to to treat everyone with grace, yep. because just like company, you can run your company in two different aspects: to grow and sell it, or to keep it quality, keep it family, and keep it going right. to give people jobs. But in the situations of work, you can handle something with anger, emotion, frustration. Absolutely, you can be pissed off. Yep. We experience this all the time from people. Absolutely. Or you can handle things with grace, know it's not the end of the world, That's right. fix whatever issue you have, do everything you can possible for your clients, for your employees, for your coworkers, do what you can to help them and be understanding of their situation. Right. And just get the, get get whatever it is done and move on. And you said it best. I mean, we're not, it's not life or death. You know what I mean? And a lot of people get upset and they get angry and they get irritated. And a lot of times when you start hearing some of that frustration between departments is because they don't understand what truly has to transpire in the other department. No. Like when a loan officer says, hey, just go ahead and push this into underwriting. Well, you don't just push it into underwriting. There's all this other stuff that, you know, okay, just because you got the last pay stub, it's not ready to go into underwriting. They still have to do all this other, you know what I mean? So I think a lot of that frustration comes because they don't understand. We all don't understand what everybody's job function is. And yeah. then that's when people get frustrated. I mean, it's just a green button. You're I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> do you know how many times I said that to the operations, no, especially docs? <laughs> Katie used to, she wanted to kill me. I'm like, can't you just push that one button? She did. Oh, she gets well, so and, and it's, thing, it's like, um, this is the reality, and this is not saying anything uh, negative toward realtors. When realtors don't understand something that has to happen, there's hundreds of things that have to happen for a transaction legally. Right. We're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. We have to do certain verifications. We have to do X, Y, and Z. And when I'm si when a situation occurs where I'm saying, "Hey, I have to get this verified really quick. We have to do something internal." Well, why is done done already? Well, because it's not. This is the time to do it. Right. And there's a lot of times where people on the outside of a transaction um, get frustrated and question, "Why isn't this done? Why isn't this done?" Well, there's probably a reason it's not done because right. it's not that time in the transaction. But we get we get met. I get met with negativity and, and questioning from in, from a uh, naive state of mind. When if you haven't been in that person's position, be open-minded and understanding that they're probably doing everything they can to get yeah, it done. Absolutely. Now I can't speak for call center type places, but right. <laughs> um, but come at it with an open mind and understanding instead of questioning with the intent of they're not doing enough because there's probably a process that has to go Absolutely. along with it. If you've never been, worked in that position, you don't know. Yeah, well, like the 10-day verification, you know, they, they start hearing about the 10-day verification then it's just happening on the employment side. And the first thing a lot of the people involved in the transaction are like, why are you waiting till 10 days close of escrow to do an employment verification? I'm like, no, that happens before then, but this is what we have to do because of Fannie Freddie guidelines as well. We have to do another verification and we have to do it three days before funding. So there's like this whole process because, I mean, Nobody would think anybody would lie on their loan application, but they have, <laughs> or quit their job right before close of escrow. We've all seen those crazy things as well. So you're absolutely right. There's a lot of things that happen that people don't understand that have to happen. I mean, at the end of the at the end of the day, that has to happen, or we have a loan that's not sellable, which that means we get to hold on to it forever. Okay, here's a good question from because we're look at that. 
It's only, it's already an hour. All right. I told you. Okay, we got 30 <laughs> minutes, 45 minutes. We'll go. All right, last question, then we'll start wrapping it up. For people looking to move up in a company, mm-hmm. let's say they start in position X and they want to move to position Y and position Z, somebody who's gone all the way to where you have, what if you're looking at somebody, what are the things that you look for? Because I know there's a lot of people in different industries um, who think time is, you know, in, in different in unions, time matters and, right. and seniority matters. But to you, what matters? How would you weight the work ethic versus the time versus the experience? Or what advice do you give people looking to just move up in life or start something new? You know, it, it all comes down to, like you said, what, what's your driving force? And to me, mine was balance. When I got into this business, mine was to have balance. Um, but I also knew that I also wanted to create something that was sustainable, that we're not ever selling, that is like our baby that we get to do and have fun with. Um, you know, in our industry, when you talk about moving up, you know, there's really two different types of people in our industry. You either have the salespeople or you have the detail-oriented people. Typically, those two don't mix. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've been in sales for a long time, and usually those don't mix. So um, depending on where you want to go, that's where you got to kind of decide from a a position standpoint where you want to move up if you want to be more on the operation side um, and if you like supporting the sales side. Uh, Because you can still be more detail-oriented but supporting the sales side when it comes to the underwriting guidelines and stuff like that. But as far as what people... I mean, to me, again, it's, it's you have to decide what you want. I mean, it's not all about business. You've got to be able to create relationships. You've got to be able to make an impact in your community. Um, and you've got to be able to make an impact in people's lives, whether the people that you work with or people that you're just helping get into a house. And that's it. Yeah. Done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ron, thank you, sir. Um, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. If anybody has any questions for Ron, reach out. You can uh, reach out to me. I can always put you in touch. Or if you want advice um, from either of us, let us know. Um, I get a lot of advice from Ron. He's been a mentor to me. Um, I'll always remember uh, this is in 2015. <laughs> Uh, because I was a little uh, hot, uh, young gun and I wouldn't, I wouldn't filter emails. Ron sat me down in 15 and said, you got to watch the way you write on e- those emails to people because I didn't – and it was just being stupid at that <laughs> point. But, like, that's, that's where, um, like, I take his advice seriously and I respect everything he has to say. Um, so thank you for everything that you've Absolutely. done for me and, and my family and our branch, who's now yeah. kind of our own little family He's within your family. You guys doing a great job. Um, no, we love you guys and, and and thanks to Jay Ray if you're listening out here. <laughs> one day, one day he'll be back. Yeah, I hope. I hope <laughs> we keep saying that. Um, guys, thank you for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you for uh, subscribing to Field by Why if you can subscribe on your podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, whatever that may be. Um, we hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you to our sponsors, Empire West Title, Platinum Home Warranty, and A. Bodden from Insurance Professionals of Arizona. Make sure to reach out to them. Tell them I sent you. They'll give you discounts. They'll hook it up. They'll send you some flowers. I don't know. They will. Maybe they'll send you cookies. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, this show is brought to you by the Augustiniac team at People's Mortgage. Rates are low. Like Ron said about 50 times. The, it is crazy right now. It is. We can barely handle it. We're staying afloat. But when money's cheap, you got to strike while the iron's hot. And that's not, that's on our side. For our workers, be appreciative because it could also be the complete opposite, not busy at all, but also for you clients, when money's cheap, you gotta strike. So if you're in a place to refinance, purchase, buy new property, 
Buy yourself a new property, turn yours into an investment. Whatever you can do to put your life in a better long-term financial position, make sure to reach out to me. I'm happy to help, give you advice. Farai, you're the man. Lister Pro Studio, make sure to reach out to them for videography. You guys have a wonderful week. We'll catch you next time.